All right, we're part three of our Living and Active series today, our last one, and uh, this one won't disappoint. I, I'm so excited to hear it again, Danny. Uh, we have a guest with us today. He is a lay pastor for our friends at Urban Light Church, so that's pretty fun. Uh, continue the partnership with Urban Light. Danny has been the men's director at Muncie Mission, and he has worked at Muncie Mission here in our city for 16 years which is extraordinary. I, I asked him, Danny, what, what is so meaningful about your work uh, with Muncie Mission and with the men there? And he said, I get the honor of entering into men's lives and helping them see that God actually does love them. And if you spend any amount of time with Danny, it, that, that sentiment kind of just drips off of who he is. I found out from a mutual friend that uh, if you would call his cell phone and get his voicemail, or at least at one time, his greeting was, Hi, this is Danny. I may not know who you are, but I love you. <laughs> so, you know, if you just need to hear those three words today, maybe you just need to get Danny's phone number and give it a call. <laughs> But Danny is here today. Uh, it looks like he has packed a row with his beloved family, his wife, Nicole, and five kids. Uh, but they left the dogs at home, uh, apparently, three dogs. He says he's an avid runner. And I'm thinking, well, if I, I had five kids and three dogs, I might run too. Um, but but uh, it's so great to have all of you. Welcome to Common Way. And uh, thank you for being with us today. But more than all of this, as I have uh, briefly gotten to know Danny, I just have sensed his incredible intentionality with Scripture and with his love um, to know Jesus behind the pages of Scripture and how he has, um, through the years, uh, really ingested it. And you're going you're gonna to find out a little bit more about that in a second, but um, it's inspiring, and it's, uh, it's a privilege to have you with us today. So would you give a warm welcome to Danny Smith? Hi, I'm Danny. Nice to meet you. This is my first time here at uh, Commonway, and I just want to say thanks so much to um, the people up here leading worship, it was um, wonderful. Uh, it's really, we can tell that you put work into it, and we really appreciate that. Um, today I'm going to talk with us today about scripture memory. Uh, this church, the sort of tagline or the mission of the church is inviting people um, to, hope, to find hope in Jesus. Today, I want to talk to you about how I was invited into Scripture memory. It was 1996. I was at a summer camp in Pennsylvania. I was a counselor. And a friend of mine had just been on a whitewater rafting trip with some campers, and they had decided, you know, when you're in a whitewater rafting boat and there's no rapids for a while, you kind of get bored. And so they were bored, and so they decided to memorize the Beatitudes. Um, that first part of Matthew 5. And when he uh, had come back, he talked to myself and our friend Dave, and he asked the two of us if we would be willing. He invited us to join him in memorizing a chapter from the Bible. So we said yes. And so we decided to memorize John 17 together. And so the way I did it is I uh, wrote 
um, a couple of verses on these little cards, and I would just read the card as many times as I possibly could that day and try to get it in my brain, and eventually memorize John 17. The impact, though, took a little longer than it took to memorize it. That was 1996. Uh, six years later, 2002, I was sitting in a church in Nairobi, Kenya, with my wife, Nicole, and my oldest son, Josiah. They weren't a part of my life in 96, but in 2002 they were. And I sensed through the scripture, um, Jesus asking me, Danny, unite the body. And I remember him piercing me with this question, are you willing to give up your opinions? Are you willing to step off of your soap boxes. And the Word of God through John 17, in, some of you might not know, John 17, Jesus prays for you and me, actually. He prays that we would be one, even as Jesus is in the Father and the Father is in Jesus. Well, by 2002, I had forgotten. I hadn't I hadn't kept it memorized. I'd forgotten it. I couldn't recite it, but the words still sort of rung around in my head. And as it discerned in me that that unity that Jesus wanted for his body wasn't in me. Because you see, I was a missionary in Kenya, and you might not know this, but other missionaries can be really annoying. And it's hard... <laughs> It's actually hard to want unity with somebody who annoys you. Anybody know what I mean? And so, so the, the Scripture discerned that there was an emptiness in me of that unity that Jesus prayed for. I don't know if you can tell, but this isn't exactly a fun process. And then it becomes to activate a hunger in me for that unity. I just, I'll be right back. I needed to grab a little prop here. Uh, I love props. Um, so anyway, uh, it says in um, the, the verse here that's about to pop up, uh, I think, uh, if it doesn't, there we go. Thank you so much, Jeff. For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. So here we have a visual aid. Um, piercing, this is a key word, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. I want to point out three words that we're going to use to go through this, piercing, discerning, and from active, activating, okay? Piercing, discerning, activating with a sword. We can shorten that and say that it is PDA with a sword, uh, it's very, uh, very uncomfortable when we realize that the sword is intended to pierce me. Now, I don't know how uncomfortable this is to look at, but it's much more uncomfortable, even though I'm literally holding the sword, so I'm not going to do anything to myself. It's so uncomfortable to have a sword pointing at you. In the same way, it is so uncomfortable 
to actually let this verse, let this scripture, let this word pierce me, discern me, activate a hunger in me. And yet, uh, this isn't the first time that Common Way has been through a living and active series. I don't know how many people were here about 10 years ago. Some of you were here in 2013. Uh, You might remember that Matt Carter said this about this verse. You can be sure that it's God speaking through Scripture if it cuts to the core of who you are. In that same sermon, he quotes Franz Kafka speaking about books, applying it to Scripture, that it must be like an ice axe which breaks the frozen sea within us. And so today I invite you, if you want, to be pierced and ice axed. I know that's a wonderful invitation. How many people are ready? Actually, I need you to raise your right hand if you're ready to join me on a little fun scripture memory exercise. Now, it might not be the version that you want, but it's the version I memorized it in, Common English Bible, not that it's that great. Thank you. Some of you still have your uh, left hands up, so put your left hand up. Uh, if you want to join us, it's just six words, okay? Six words. I know you got five fingers. We'll do something with the other one. Ready? Repeat after me. People. But you got to hold up your pinky, okay? Because pinky starts with P and people starts with P. See the association there? So we'll start that again. Ready? People. people. Won't. Live only by bread. And see, you're holding a piece of bread. Bread. Okay. We'll try that again. Ready? All together this time, people won't live only by bread. One more time. People won't live only by bread. Give yourself a hand. Excellent. But that's the easy part. You see, Memorizing Scripture is actually the easy part. And and it doesn't matter if it's six words or the whole Bible. And you all just did the six words. The hard part is allowing it to pierce us to discern what's in us. And as I go through this Scripture and the knife is pointing at me, it's easy for me When Jesus says people won't live only by bread, to say, of course, Jesus, I also need meat, and I definitely need chocolate ice cream, and even more than bread, I need coffee in the morning. I need coffee. I can go without bread for a while, but I can't go without coffee in the morning. And see, you see what I'm doing here is I'm beginning to make jokes Because when you have a sword pointing at you, you want to do anything besides letting it pierce you. And as it begins to discern what's in me, I want to do anything to have it pointing away from me. It's much easier for me to take this sword and point it at someone else and let it to discern someone else. You see, it probably you're uncomfortable now. But it's so much harder when I allow it 
to discern what's in me because I don't like being evaluated as empty. There's nothing there. And when there's nothing there, then there's a need for me to have something to hunger for. You see, Jesus, through the Word of God, wants to cut through into us so that we can be filled with Him. And yet, so often it's hard because we don't want to be cut. We don't want to be discerned as empty, and so we resist. We oftentimes resist. Um, in that same sermon uh, of about 10 years ago, Matt Carter said this, if our reading of this word doesn't push us, doesn't compel us to love the word, as in the second member of the Trinity, Jesus, the Son of the Most High God, then reading Scripture, and I would add, memorizing Scripture is worthless for us. Well, Danny, if that's true, then what about Jesus' own relationship with Scripture? If we are so if it's so hard to us to cozy up and have PDA with the sword, what was it like for Jesus? Well, that's what we're going to look at today as we go through Luke 4 in the Common English Bible. And be ready for your part, okay? Because it's going to come up and we're all going to shine together as we recite it together. But I want you to notice something about Jesus' relationship with Scripture and see if you notice what I've noticed I am very resistant to the Scripture piercing me. I'd much rather have it pierce you, and then you tell me about it. But I want, I want to ask you, if you notice what I notice, that Jesus is so incredibly comfortable letting Deuteronomy, Isaiah, the stories of Elijah and Elisha pierce him. He is completely free to let them pierce him. Listen to these words starting in Luke chapter 4, verse 1. Jesus returned from the Jordan River full of the Holy Spirit and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. There he was tempted for 40 days by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and afterward Jesus was starving. The devil said to him, since you are God's son, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Here's your part. Jesus replied, people won't, sorry, it's written, people won't live only by bread. Good job. Next, the devil led him to a high place and showed him in a single instant all the kingdoms of the world. The devil said, I will give you this whole domain and the glory of all these kingdoms. It's been entrusted to me, and I can give it to anyone I want. Therefore, if you will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it's written, you'll worship the Lord your God and serve only him. The devil brought him into Jerusalem and stood him at the highest point of the temple. He said to him, 
Since you are God's son, throw yourself down from here, for it's written, he will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and they will take you up in their hands so that you won't hit your foot on a stone. Jesus answered, it's been said, don't test the Lord your God. After finishing every temptation, the devil departed from him until the next opportunity. Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. Jesus went to Nazareth, where he had been raised. On the Sabbath, he went to the synagogue, as he normally did, and stood up to read. The synagogue assistant gave him the scroll from the prophet Isaiah. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the prisoners, and recovery of sight to the blind, to liberate the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the synagogue assistant, and sat down. Every eye in the synagogue was fixed on him. He began to explain to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled just as you heard it. Everyone was raving about Jesus, so impressed were they by the gracious words flowing from his lips. They said, this is Joseph's son, isn't it? Then Jesus said to them, undoubtedly, you will quote this saying to me, doctor, heal yourself. Do hear in your hometown what we've heard you did in Capernaum. He said, I assure you, that no prophet is welcome in the prophet's hometown. And I can assure you that there were many widows in Israel during Elijah's time when it didn't rain for three and a half years and there was a great food shortage in the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to a widow in the city of Zarephath in the region of Sidon. There were also many persons with skin diseases in Israel during the time of the prophet Elisha, but none of them were cleansed. Instead, Naaman, the Syrian, was cleansed. When they heard this, everyone in the synagogue was filled with anger. They rose up and ran him out of town. They led him to the crest of the hill on which their town had been built so that they could throw him off the cliff. But he passed through the crowd and went on his way. I don't know if you noticed it, but what I noticed is Jesus being extremely comfortable, allowing the scriptures to pierce him. Temptation number one, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become a, lo a loaf of bread. My uh, dear friend, although I've never met him, great Bible scholar George Caird suggests that Jesus comes to you and I in our weakness. Can't do that with Jesus, so he comes to Jesus in his strength, the strength of compassion. You see, Jesus was not the only one hungry in 
Judea, in Galilee, in Nazareth. There was a lot of people hungry. And now Jesus, the Son of God, knows what it's like to be hungry, knows what it's like to not have food to eat, and he knows there's a lot of people who need food. And Jesus has to allow Deuteronomy to penetrate and to pierce him. Who am I? Am I a bread factory? Am I here to just make it so that a bunch of people can have food to eat? We know that five chapters later, he will produce a bunch of food for a lot of people to eat. He does do that. But is that the core of who Jesus is? Did he come to be Aunt Millie's and just produce tons of bread so that everybody can have food? Or did he come for something more than that? You see, Jesus allows it to pierce who he is. And no, he is not just a bread factory. He's more than that. And then uh, the devil offers him the kingdoms of the world. You can be Tiberius Caesar. You can have all the world, the Roman Empire, any other empire that's going on that maybe we haven't known about. You can have it all, Jesus. But Jesus allows the book of Deuteronomy to discern that that is an empty offer for Jesus because for Jesus, worship and kingdom cannot be separated, not to mention that Jesus would need a very different kind of throne than Tiberius Caesar would want. And so then it, it appears that the devil begins to be a little bit smarter. You see, I don't know if you've noticed, but Jesus keeps saying, it's written, it's written. And so now the devil's like, okay, uh, I'm going to lead with it's written. And so uh, the devil takes Jesus to the cliff and he says, it's written. And then the devil, by the way, uh, Jesus isn't the only one who has scripture memorized, right? The devil has got Psalm 91 right here. And he quotes Psalm 91, such a beautiful psalm to Jesus. Hoping, I think, maybe to activate a hunger for the safety in the arms of God that that psalm so richly speaks of. But Jesus' response, I think, gives us a clue, and not the scripture he quotes but the way he quotes it, you say, see, Jesus said, it's written, it's written, and then the devil says, it's written, and then Jesus, in introducing this last scripture from Deuteronomy, doesn't say it's written. He says, it's been said. You see, what is to the devil words on a page is to Jesus something much more. There's someone behind the words. Uh, some of you might not understand this very well, so I decided to help you with a little story from my own life. Back in 1996, this will help you understand the difference between knowing words and knowing what's behind the words. In 1996, I must have written a letter to my parents about memorizing this chapter I told you about in the intro about John 17. Well, my mom 
decided to write me a letter, five pages, on John 17 and me memorizing it. Um, uh, many of you don't know my mom, but this is what she wrote. And I'm just going to read a little, a little portion from it. Danny, I'm thinking what a wonderful tool this chapter will be for you, Greg and Dave. It is truly a chapter that reveals the most beautiful heart and nature of Jesus, doesn't it? For you, these words are words. You might say that they're in cursive. You might see that they're how the grammar is or isn't. And you might have seen that it does kind of connect or doesn't to the message. That's for you, especially if you don't know my mom. These words are not just words to me. You see, I would love to be able to sit down and talk and be hugged by my mom. For half my life, I have not been able to do that because when I was 23 years old, my mom died. And here I am at 46, still hungering to be able to be held by my mom. To you that don't know my mom, they're words. But to me, there's someone behind the words. In the case of Jesus and Scripture, it's a little different. You see, Jesus isn't like thinking of his dad like I'm thinking of my mom. Jesus is the words behind Scripture. He is the reality behind the words. And he also is the one with a deep hunger, more consuming than even my hunger to be held by my mom, and yet very different because Jesus did not hunger for safety. Jesus did not hunger to be filled. Jesus' hunger was to pour himself out into you and me. And we see that as he recites Isaiah in Nazareth. You see, he allows Isaiah to pierce him. Who is Jesus? As the scripture pierces him, the spirit of the Lord is upon him. That is who he is. And as the scripture discerns what is in Jesus, it discerns that in Jesus is good news. In Jesus is freedom and liberation. In Jesus is healing and favor. And there is this scripture even activates even more Jesus' hunger to pour himself out. And yet, they didn't receive it really how you maybe would think. Some of us might read how the people of Nazareth responded to Jesus, and we might get sort of frustrated, like, why would they do this? And yet, I want to I wanna invite you to imagine that maybe we are acting in the very same way that they act. 
You see, they said, this is Joseph's son, isn't it? And Jesus allowed the stories of Elijah and Elisha to pierce him. And in doing that, piercing the idea that they wanted him to be. You see, he was their hometown boy, not even hometown. Recognize that in Nazareth, most likely, these are all really Jesus' relatives. These are his family and extended family and brothers and cousins and aunts and uncles. All of these people felt like they had sort of a say in his life. He discerned in them that they wanted something besides what he was willing to give. You see, Jesus didn't come to Nazareth to be their personal bread factory. And they got angry when he started talking like that. And when they were discerned that there was an emptiness in them that needed filled the, the, through these stories... They began to rise up in anger and take him to the edge of the cliff. You see, Jesus wanted to fill their hunger, not just with the things that they were used to. But the trouble is, they were so used to Jesus. Sometimes when we're so used to Jesus, it's harder for him to penetrate and to pierce us and to fill us. And so we take the end of the book of Luke and we bring it to the beginning. And right at the beginning in Luke chapter 4, they're ready to throw him off the cliff. And he passes through the crowd. And yet, oftentimes, when we do not want the word of God to pierce us, to discern that we are empty, the easiest two things to do is, A, pointed at someone else. Oh, it's such a relief to have this sword pointed away from me. In the same way, it is such a relief to allow the Scriptures to pierce you and not me. But if we don't want to do that, if it gets too close to home, we can always put the sword back in its sheath and not allow the Scripture to pierce us. We are often so resistant to the Scripture actually doing its work in us. That's why it took six years after I had memorized John 17 to Him finally begin to pierce me just a little bit. We, we need help. And so, um, even as we get angry and even as we put the sword back in its sheath, and even as we, in doing that, are ready to shove Jesus off the cliff, He beats us to it. And Jesus poured out Himself by being nailed to a cross. Jesus poured himself out because his hunger is to pour himself into us. If 
he is unable to pierce us through, and if he is unable to get into us and fill us, he will still pour himself out, even if he gets spilled on the ground. Why? Because God has a hunger to pour himself into us, because he knows There is no hope for us unless he pours himself into us. I want you to listen to what uh, St. Augustine said. Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Can we do that scripture just one more time? And as we do uh, this scripture, this uh, six words that we memorize together, I want you to allow I want you to allow Jesus to work into you. Jesus, how do you want to pierce me with this scripture today? How you how do you want to discern something in me today? Lord, what what hunger do you want to activate in me? A hunger for you, Jesus. Show me. Would we be open to what the Spirit wants us to do. Again, one more time, hold your left hand up, and we're going to see if we remembered it from before. People won't live only by bread. Thank you. Yeah, you can take that away. (laughs) I don't want to move too past too fast and quickly past uh, his invitation um, to reflect a little. So uh, if we can just take a moment of quiet together to continue in in this spirit of uh, just being with Jesus. And uh, Jesus, we invite you to show us, to pierce us, to help us discern this place within us that may be empty the place that that may be trying to seek to be filled with all the things of this world and not you. God, would you help us to be able to know what to take away today um, that are words from you? And God, I just ask that, that if we have realized that there are places we hunger for safety or satisfaction, uh, fame, all these things that we go after uh, instead of you, God, that you just kindly, compassionately, gently reveal that to us and replace it with your love and your grace in our heart. And Lord, I just ask that you gave each one of us a greater hunger for you, the one who is behind the words on the page and the one who is the spoken word that has been with us from the beginning of time. Thank you for pouring yourself out for us on the cross and making a way for us to have access and a relationship with God. Jesus, you didn't have to lay down your life and you chose to do that. Give us um, the courage 
and the willingness and the openness to also want to be people who pour out our lives for others. We bless your name. Amen. Danny, thank you so much for bringing not only just uh, the message today, but also uh, your gift and your passion for memorizing scripture. That was really inspiring. You want to stand with me? I want to invite you back next week. We'll be kicking off a new series called 40 Days of Hope uh, that will lead us right up until Easter. Can you believe that? So really excited for some uh, uh, opportunities we have as a church to engage together. And now may you go in the peace and the blessing of Jesus to know that he and he alone is the one that can ultimately fill and satisfy your soul. Be blessed.